It's Overexposed, the film photography podcast with me, Sasquatch Mansfield. This week I have Mylon Wood on. She's a wedding photographer based in Oregon with her husband and four kiddos. Our conversation goes like everywhere, so I hope you can keep up and, you know, enjoy it. All right, let's go. Okay, let's do this. Okay. Mylon, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So you've been in this quarantine state where you haven't had many human interactions. How is this going? <laughs> you like this? I don't. Well, okay. I'll say I love and hate it. I definitely have gotten to know my kids better. Um, and especially like at a time where they're kind of like transitioning into that like preteen world. So I feel like that's been good. But well, my adult kids, my oldest is 11. Wow. So I have, yeah, I'm old, man. It's just <laughs> the Asian-ness in me that makes me still look youthful. <laughs> we, we, we stay youthful until we're about 60 and then bam, we look like 80 year olds. It's an overnight transition for us. But yeah, my, my oldest is 11, my daughter is nine, and then my other son um, is six, and then my last daughter um, will be three this summer. So in boy, girl, boy, girl, somehow, wow. don't know how, but fun. yeah, it's, you know, I thought that it, the hardest part would be when they're babies, but oh my gosh, this preteen stuff is like, really? golly, man. Yeah. Maybe I was just a weird teenager, though. Like, I, I think I just keep comparing their situations to mine. And I'm always, like, shocked by how early on these things are happening for them. And I'm like, oh. what the heck? I never even worried about that. <laughs> but I don't know. I think this new generation just moves faster, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> now, that is I an old know. thing to say. <laughs> Is it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <No>. Yeah, see? <laughs> and I think a lot of it, too, is, you know, this sounds awful, but when I first found out I was having a girl, I cried because I was terrified. Girls, I feel like, are just, I mean, and this is I, another terrible stereotype, but I just, I had such a hard time proving my strength as a woman, uh -huh. like, growing up. Yeah. And I didn't want to have to like see my daughters have to fight to show that they're intelligent and that they were like, you know, could be up there in the boys club, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I was dead set on like making my girl like this strong, powerful, like whatever, but also like allowing her to be herself and just my daughter who she is, naturally is just the girliest girl she likes fashion she loves pink she like I've asked her several times like what she wants to be when she grows up um and she always just says I just want to be a wife I I just want someone to take care of me and I'm just like who the hell is raising you like sorry I it's just like what <laughs> where are you learning this? You know, so she's just so different, you know, and she's allowed to be, Sure. but I think because of that, I'm always like on her, like a hawk. Yeah. 
And because I dated so much and made like a lot of stupid decisions when I was younger, I'm always just like, my daughter will, will not make those same mistakes. You know, I, yeah. the Asian mentality of like, no, I will never allow, you know, it's so funny. I, I don't know. I turn more and more into my mom every day. It's, <laughs> It's just kind yeah. of the natural progression, I guess. But I think so. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a thing that I fear for her. Um, is just falling into this, into this. <laughs> I hate to say it, like it sounds terrible. I don't want her to like fall into this trap of like thinking that she is in love with someone and then being stuck. And like yeah. not understanding her own feelings, like, mm. oh, I've been with this person so long. Like, am yeah. I actually happy or do yeah. I, you know what I mean? Cause I, yeah. I've, I've, I've had that experience and I didn't like clearly see it for what it was until I left it. Yeah. I don't know. You're always yeah. paranoid about the things that like you went through, right? For sure. It's so hard not yeah. to like project your own childhood on your children. Exactly. And realize that they're their own people and they're going to make their own mistakes. And exactly. yeah, it's so hard. The t- so, you know, going back to your original question, like quarantine has been really good in that sense where like, you know, I've been able to like learn about my kids more. We've been having like, you know, really good, honest talks and spending more time together and stuff. So we're, yeah. we're not as busy. Um, and that's been nice, but yeah, as far as like conversations with like actual adults, <laughs> I like I find myself embarrassing myself a lot more frequently. <laughs> Just yeah. I don't know. I'm so I'm I'm only really good in like public speaking and like in public situations if I'm used to doing it a lot. Sure. But if you, yeah, if you cut that tap, I get awkward real quick, real quick. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, I haven't, oh, so we have people over all the time, like before this hit, like mm-hmm. at least once a week, someone's coming over for dinner. Like that's just like There's our party bag. house. Well, like not really the, cause we have kids. It's not really a party house, but. But it's the but you're like house. you're like the you're like the when your kids grow up, your house is gonna be like the central hub. Like everyone's gonna be at your house. Probably, yeah. Hopefully, I so I can keep an eye on them. You know, um, but yeah. <laughs> but well, and I'm, so you could be the cool dad. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your dad's got a ponytail. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody. That's said why that. I always have like a Costco bag of fruit snacks in my house because that's what makes me the cool mom in my yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta- if I could get away with being the cool mom with just a ponytail, you better believe I would do it. <laughs> I don't think having a ponytail makes me a cool dad. <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get rid of it. Um, but no, we. <laughs> I mean, uh, and that's like, it was a hard shift to, to be in like, oh, okay, no one. Yeah. For the quiet, yeah. Yeah, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, but it, it might be dying down. It might be dying up too. I don't know. 
I, right. It's so, I, I'm a person that responds really well to limitations yeah. and because there's no like end in sight, it's really difficult for me. I, I mean, total transparency. I probably had like three, four meltdowns. Like I just, it's, you get to a point where you're like, what the heck? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are and, we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. It's unprecedented but, territory really. Um, yeah. yeah. So. But I'm glad you're here. We're kind of interacting yeah. as humans. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I have never really been like a video chat person. Like yeah. the only people I would ever FaceTime is my family. Right. But okay. now I'm much more used to it. And like now it's not unusual to me for me to like call up a friend and just, you know, have it going on in the background while we talk. And yeah, it's different. It's it's a yeah. it's a totally different shift. Yeah, absolutely. We started doing uh, with our best friends um, every Wednesday. We have dinner together. Like we feed the kids first, and then when the kids are in bed, we we like call each other. Yeah. Video chat, eat together, and then just like hang out. Oh, I love it's, that. That's it's cool. been so good. Like just to feel because you you forget whenever you have kids, you're really not talking. You're just more of mm-hmm. like kind of talking, but then mainly going like, hey, no. Yep. Ah, ah. But <laughs> it can't get very deep because you're yeah. constantly interrupted. Yeah. And we've known them for, I don't know, like eight years. And now we're like way closer than we ever were because of this, which is really cool. Um, but it's also like, I just kind of want to give them a hug. You know, that would be cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, Yeah. You know, I have to say too, like there are a couple people, because I think that's so true. Like there are a couple people that I was friends with, you know, before this all happened, but since this has happened, we've had more in-depth conversations, you know, after the kids go to bed, the Marco Polo thing, Uh like has been great because it's just whenever you have time. And I have, like, I've gotten way closer to a couple of people than I would have had the opportunity to, you know, if this hadn't happened. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to have like completely a hundred percent negative feelings about quarantine Sure. because there have been a lot of good coming out of it, but there have been a lot of bad too. I mean, (laughs) oh man, my year is completely shot. I'm sure most of our years are completely shot and it's, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. And yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of pivoting happening. (laughs) Oh yeah. So much pivoting. I like, especially for me, a lot of pivoting. Um, so see, but I, and like, I really commend people like you that like, they see the pivot and they can re like, like make a new direction like for me, it's very difficult for me because I'm not a risk taker. Uh, like I'm very much that person that's like, I need to like collect my data and know that this will work before I like jump into it. Yeah. So for me, like the pivoting is, is not as easy. And I see people doing it and I'm so jealous. Cause I'm like, man, that was genius. Like, yeah. how did you do that? Like, how did you pivot so seamlessly? And like, 
you know, because for me, it's just, I, my brain just does not work that way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could understand. Uh, I, (laughs) I kind of, I take the approach of like, eh, whatever, (laughs) like (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fine. And if not, like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Maybe I'm homeless for a little bit, but like, it'll be good. Uh, yeah. So like forever. And I, I need, I need to learn how to be more like that. <laughs> I really do. I, should I probably. Just, I, I have, a, I just have this very vivid memory of myself at 17. Cause like you said, you left home at 16. Mm-hmm. I left home at 17. Okay. And, um, I remember working two jobs and, sitting on my kitchen floor in my studio apartment, literally counting out like change from tips to make sure I had enough for rent that month. So like, I, I always think of that when I feel like I have to pivot and then it just like builds this fear of like, okay, I got to do whatever it takes to not be in that position again, because I just, I don't know. It's just that I'm not, I'm not optimistic enough to be like, okay, yeah, I did it once. I could do it again. I'm more like, I can't get to that point again. Sure. Oh no, that would suck. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think I'm delusional. I think that's really what it comes down (laughs) to is like, I think, and honestly, I mean, you kind of like, if you're going to make it, you, anytime you start a business, you kind of have to be a little delusional. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, I I don't recommend doing what I do. (laughs) I recommend maybe like a sliver of what I do, but it's, it's a lot of flying by the seat of your pants. Like I had, I can't remember. I don't know. It was some shoot recently and I didn't know like what was going to happen. Oh, oh, this is what it was. So it was my first newborn session. I've never done newborn stuff. I don't do newborn stuff. Like nobody asked me to do newborn stuff. And I also did a maternity session for this couple too, which is also not something that I do. (laughs) But now I do. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not super great at flash. Like Mm -hmm. I can do it, but like I'm not super comfortable like with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like the night before and Molly, my wife was asking me about like, so what's what's the plan there? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll just get there and figure it out. Oh It'll my word! And like that's just kind of how I mean it. And it worked. It's great. It worked out. <laughs> but I think I think I'm just like I like the 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 like fire that it puts in me of like yeah ah, yeah gotta do something. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're so opposite in that because, (laughs) I mean, even as like a seasoned photographer, I still, before every shoot, like I still let go through like a checklist in my mind of like what I'm going to do, like just as my backup in case like there becomes like a lull or whatever. And it never actually happens, but I always like psych myself out. And I've talked about this on Instagram before, and it's such a stupid thing that I do, but it's like habitual now. But I do club car every single time before I do a wedding or a session, regardless. Do you? What is this? Do oh okay. I thought maybe you knew, but so club car 
is this really stupid thing that my brother and I came up with as teenagers. Okay. One year he bought me this like strobe light uh-huh. and we like geniusly decided to put it in the back seat of my car. Okay. And so we would always go and like park in like just some random parking lot. <laughs> we would turn it this. on and then we would blast the music and just like go crazy. Like that is so in the good. It's, it's so that. dorky and stupid, but like, I literally do it. I will park like a couple blocks away from the location <laughs> so the people don't think I'm insane. And I literally will turn it up as loud as it. The strobe light is gone, obviously. Okay. Um, since wow. then, there have become laws prohibiting those types of things. A lame police state that we so live in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But um, I still do it. I still like rock out to like my favorite. And this totally shows my roots of like living in like the ghettos of Tacoma. But my favorite is Coolio Gangsta's Paradise. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cause that one has like a real good beat and like mm-hmm. you can like pump yourself up and like, I don't know, like it gets all like my nerves out. And then I'm just like, yeah, I'm ready to do this shit. Like I am the bomb. Yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've got my backup in my head. I've got like my Beyonce vibes going. And oh, then yeah. I'm like, okay, I got it. I can yeah. do this. But I do it every time. That's good. I, I wish that I could be more like Zen like you. Like, yeah, it'll all be fine. It's cool. Oh, it's like, not Zen. No, my mind is like... <laughs> A hundred miles an hour is not Zen in there, but on the outside, I'm just like, okay, well, (laughs) I don't talk like that on the shoot, but (laughs) it'd be funny if you did though. Yeah. I I think uh, maybe I'll start like having a character. I think that'd be good. I totally do have a character when I shoot. Do you not? Uh, No, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much this, this guy right here. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty chill about almost everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Except well, for kids. I don't know. I, I like turn it up for kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that was a misrepresentation of myself. I don't turn into a character per se, but my personality becomes very amplified. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you you mentioned Beyonce vibes. Like that's what she does. She, yes. She like Sasha she, Fierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know the name. But <laughs> I still remember name. that interview. I totally, like, I think about it all the time. Where yeah. like, she's about to go on and she's no longer Beyonce. She is now yeah. Sasha Fierce. It's just like a totally different... It's such yeah. a helpful thing to have like that compartmentalized in your brain. That like, yeah. whenever yeah. I'm going here, this is who I am. And then you can just play that role. I always worry though that like it won't switch <laughs> and then I'll just be like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have this, I don't know. I play really weird mind games in my head. I don't know if it's just me or like, I don't know. So like, for example, my husband was talking to me about this the other day because there was like a book that we were both reading that like, talked about something similar and I was like oh yeah I do this thing and he was like no you're weird no one does that (laughs) but I do this thing sometimes like if I'm driving or if I'm like running like going on a run Uh 
I will like think about a person okay. and depending on whether or not I would want that person to know where I am, I will either avoid or purposely look at like specific landmarks. So like, say like I'm thinking about, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's super, I thought it was normal. Apparently it's not. That's so not like, normal, for example, but... if I, <laughs> if I was like thinking of like an ex-boyfriend that I just like can't stand, uh-huh. if I'm somewhere really, really cool, like Hawaii or something, I would like purposely attract my gaze like towards like, oh, interesting. like, something fun going on and just so like if he could see through my eyes he'd be like dang i wish i were there Uh but then like opposite like on the opposite side like sometimes i'd be like oh mostly when i was like younger like a teenager or whatever like oh if my mom could see through my eyes i gotta make sure to like avert my eyes from seeing any street signs or like any so she doesn't Huh. Now, now that I'm talking about this out loud, I'm I'm thinking people are going to think I'm totally nuts. <laughs> no, I think I think you're just you have a realistic view of what it's like living in America. Uh, the government knows what we're doing at all times. <laughs> you know, see, you never know. It's like that one episode of Black Mirror, yeah, where the girl has like the what is it like guardian angel or something in yeah. her brain for oh. her mom to see. Okay. That tripped me up. Yeah. I, I stopped watching the show after that. It was too much yeah. for me. Okay. So I'll explain it. <laughs> for those that haven't <laughs> seen, Black Mirror is supposed to be like a, um, a representation of what uh, the world could turn into. But it's like, yes. it's like, uh, you know, so close to reality that you're like, this is definitely something that could happen. Yeah. Um, that so was she- too close for me. Yeah. But so this episode, she implanted in her daughter uh, basically yes. a camera whenever she was born. So, so that she could, you know, keep an eye on her and like make sure that she was safe all the time. And she had planned to turn it off for a long time or whatever. Anyway, it just like progresses into like the daughter being, oh, oh, and this is the other thing is you could blur out anything that you didn't deem appropriate, right? So like oh, yes, a I remember dog that. or like someone cussing, it would just like bleep that out. So they, yeah. they it filtered the world for them. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of progressed and progressed and progressed and like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a messed up episode. It was trippy. It like... It messed with my brain a little bit because I think because I look at everything so logically, I could understand her mother's side of it. Yeah. Like, and I can understand like her justifications of like wanting to shield her from things. And because wasn't it like in the very beginning, her daughter like got lost or something. And that's why she put the chip in. Yeah. Yeah. It was something like, I can't remember. So like the, like I understand like the trauma because a similar thing happened to us, actually, um, when we were moving from New Mexico, we had friends watching my, we only had the two at the time. Um, and we were so that we could pack, they were watching the two kids and they called us a couple hours later and they were like, okay, I don't want you to freak out, which Already obviously, did. of course, now I'm freaking <laughs> yeah. out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like don't ever start with yeah. that. But, um, 
So essentially what had happened was my oldest son, Owen, um, he's very quiet, but he's also very smart. Mm -hmm. And he knew how to unlock deadbolts of doors. Yeah. Like he knew how to like twist them and he knew how to like pull the chain and stuff. But he was also very responsible and always would close the door behind him. So um, the friend that was watching them was feeding the baby, was feeding June. And then Owen was very curious and he walked out the front door and closed the door and just left. So they lost him for like two hours. And Jeez. so they luckily, I mean, they had the whole neighborhood looking for him and they didn't call me until they, he was actually found. And luckily a police officer was patrolling and just happened to come upon this. He was two at the time. Um, this, this two year old kid um, and picked him up. And then on his way to the police station, saw this group of people shouting, you know, his name, but this, it was, it, I, I got sick to my stomach. My husband still can't even talk about it. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those yeah. things that he just has to compartmentalize or he'll freak out. Yeah. Um. So I understand, I understand like the fear and the justification of doing something really like intense like that. Yeah. So I think that episode for me just really tripped me up because I can see a lot of people justifying all of the actions that she took. A hundred percent. So it's it's so much more realistic to me because I'm like, yeah, I can see a world where people would do that. Yeah. And you know, there actually was a movie like years beyond this. Um, it had um oh gosh, the comedian guy, uh, I know his name. Robin Williams. Okay, yeah. Had Robin Williams in it. It was called The Final Cut. Do you remember that movie? No. No. It's so old. It's probably from, well, how old are you? Are you I'm in your 30. 20s? Oh, you're 30. Okay. Yeah. So mm, it might have been before your time. But so it was, so it was essentially this movie where um, the, essentially people had the same thing. Like they could oh, okay. get something implanted. So it like was this long recording movie, huh. you know, this database in their head. Yeah. And the reason that they had it was so that at the end of their life, they could kind of like pass it down to posterity and at their sure. funeral, they would like show this like highlight reel or whatever. Yeah. But um, only people like people in higher positions, like the president or whatever, like couldn't have that because of like security reasons and sure. whatever. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was basically the plot. And then there's this big twist or whatever, but it reminded me of that movie. And that movie tripped me up when I was like a teenager. And mm. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, we're getting closer and closer to this becoming a reality. <laughs> I think so. I think, I think it's inevitable. Um, to, until uh, we're like somewhat cyber, you know, organisms, whatever. Oh God! Cyber organet. I don't know how to say that, but you know, you know what I mean. Part robot. Oh, <laughs> I I tease my son about it because he's um he's type one diabetic, uh -huh. and he just got his like insulin pump and yeah. um glucose monitor for yeah. like the longest time he was like doing it by hand 
And so we tease him all the time that he's like a 10th percent robotics now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he has so a little bit of trouble with the So now I see where you're coming with this. <laughs> yeah, now I see where you're coming from because... <laughs> I don't want to believe it, but it's like right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, they already have, um, they're developing uh, eye implants to, to uh, you know, that people that have lost their eyes, they can replace their eyes um, that see like 10 really? times better than the human eye, which is, it's like, well, I mean, I'm like tempted, <laughs> you know, like. So how would that work then? So like the nerve, because the nerves in your eyes are the most sensitive, right? So yeah. how would you get all, all of those nerves connected the correct way? I don't know, but, <laughs> but scientists, boy, they know they figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know, man. They do something. That stuff is so like it's so fascinating to me that it's so easy for me to like fall down the rabbit hole of like researching that out and being like, how are they doing this? What is happening? For sure. Yeah. It's mind blowing. All all the, all the technology. Um, Yeah. But we don't, we don't operate in new technology. We got, we got those (laughs) old cameras. (laughs) I know. That will die. It's hilarious. I I even had one, um, the grandfather of the bride come up to me after like seeing me walk around shooting medium format. And he was Mm -hmm. like, I gotta tell you, Missy, I didn't think they they made those anymore. (laughs) I just died. Well, like, well, technically they don't. (laughs) (laughs) But it was legit like one of those like, phrases where he was like i remember being in the picture show with my you know like yeah totally like went off into one of those fields and i was like yeah but they're just so cool why did we ever get rid of them i know when did you start shooting film oh gosh i was my dad gave me a film camera when i was 11 or 12 Okay. Um, and it was just like a regular 35 millimeter. I was not like some child prodigy that like was amazing with like my first camera. Sure. I mean, I am Asian, but you know, it just didn't happen for me. <laughs> um, but um, I, so I started shooting, shooting film when I was like 11 or 12, but it was, you know, the realistic in me, the realism in me there's a name for people that are like that a realist yeah the realist in me never really saw photography as being like an actual career Mm. until I was well into my 20s like after college after having kids like um so I didn't get like super serious about it until like later way later on in life but I started shooting film when I was really young And I remember in college taking a course um, and having like a Canon um, V1 (laughs) and like going into like the dark room and doing black and white film and, you know, and, but for me, it was more like, that was my elective, you know, like that, that was my, my art class. That was my one class that I could do for fun like I never saw it as 
as something that like I could profit from or like grow a business from. It was always just like hobby. And my dad, you know, he, he was in the army and the Navy for a really long time when we were young. And so he traveled all over the world. He shot everything in film. He actually had a super eight um, when he was younger. So we have like all this film, like no sound obviously, but like we have all this film of like, bullfights in Madrid back in like the 70s and like like Athens Greece like way back when and it's crazy in fact it was so cool he he lived in Japan for a long time and we went to Japan on vacation with our kids and we were able to like recreate a lot of the pictures he took back in the 60s and 70s to now and it was it was just one of the like coolest things. But yeah, as a kid, I always loved film. I didn't like digital. It just was so computerized and it didn't have like the soft look. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Like this sounds really cheesy, but even like my memories, uh-huh. they have that kind of like softer feel and that yeah. kind of like faded you know, like they're, it's never like very like sharp or vivid, like digital It's like all my memories, you know, even from like a year ago, all look like that. They all yeah. look like film. So to me, like I still shoot film. I mean, I shoot some digital too. I'm trying to shoot a little more digital, but I'm so true to film just because it looks like how my memories feel and look. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's like, you know, you know too deep or whatever but you know and and i mean business business wise it's not like the best reason to (laughs) to do it that way but (laughs) but i think that our our work is just like so much more powerful and meaningful when you have emotions attached to it and for me like you i mean it's really because i'm an editor too it's really hard to tell the difference between my digital and my film but i can always tell the difference because there's a slight like change in like the emotive yeah component of it yeah because it's just I'm just not as connected to it yeah so yeah so that's the weird thing about me like I'm so like intense on both sides yeah no I've got this dreamer side and then I have this like super realist side yeah there's no in between for me I'm like, I'm so bad at Photoshop. And anytime I see your stories where you're just like <laughs> touching up something, I'm like, geez, how is she doing that? It's like magic. It's um, so fun. I know it's yeah, nerdy, but like, it's, I know, I know that's the unpopular opinion. No one thinks Photoshop is fun, but I think it's cool. Like, I don't really get into like the high def HDR stuff, yeah. but I love when I can like, remove things to make it cleaner or just Mm -hmm. like really elevate what's already there yeah um yeah i love that stuff it's so fun i've even done like a little bit of like retouching work for my dad like for father's day last year we took a bunch of his old um slide film like those don't last as long so the color's not as good so i i i did a bunch of work retouching some of those and it was it's just so cool to like bring them back to life and I don't colorize photos that's really hard 
Yeah. Um, but I can clean them up enough to like see the picture more clearly. And sure. that's been really cool. That's Photoshop awesome. is so cool. It can be really cool. Yeah. I believe you. I, I think it, <laughs> you're like, it no. Is, well, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think I have seen a lot of awesome stuff that comes out of Photoshop and I'm just like, you know, amazed. Yeah. Um, but boy, does it not interest me. Like, I'm <laughs> totally willing to pay someone else to do Photoshop. Like, I don't, I don't edit in Photoshop. I edit in Lightroom, which is kind yeah. of a, I like it. It's a divide for people, I think. I'm the majority, like 99% of the editing I do is in Lightroom. Cause I, I mean, I'm very much with John on, on the fact that I don't want to spend a lot of time sitting in a chair editing. Yeah. Um, but if there are like little, if there are like little things like that, that I can't just remove with like little spot removal thing, like sure. I totally will take it into Photoshop. Yeah. But, but that's also because again, I am Asian and I'm very particular. Like sure. I, I can't let it go. Mm. I'll, I'll sit up at night thinking about it, which is, it's ridiculous, but you know. That's good. I mean, I, I honestly wish I had that. I don't, uh, yeah, almost nothing. But I feel like there's a lot to be said about like the beauty and imperfection as well. And I think there, there is a point where you can overthink things Mm. and that's where like my line, I sometimes go over and I have to like rein it back in. Yeah. It's, it's a tough line to, to, you know, kind of straddle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I love the, what you said about like memories. Like there's definitely been photos that I've taken that like the moment I saw the scan that came back, I'm like, that's like, yeah. like that is the memory that I have in my head. Yes. Like, that is so like of me taking that photo. Like that is what I envisioned yes. and that is what I wanted. It is like the best feeling whenever you get. Yeah. Weird. I actually have, so my earliest memory, I was three years old and it's the only memory I have at three years old. Um, but I was sitting in a wheelbarrow with a blanket in it at my grandfather's house in Iowa. And I remember the light coming through the apple tree. You know how the light kind of like disperses, you know, at that certain time of day. And it's just this beautiful, like almost like otherworldly kind of glow I remember seeing that and then I remember seeing my dad in the distance taking a photo and still to this day that's one of my favorite photos because the photo he took looks exactly like what I remember experiencing and it's just one of like those rare things in life where you have like proof of how you felt and what you saw Yeah, You know, because it's so easy to be like, oh, I might have dreamed that, you know, especially like at three. Right. But now I have this photo that's like, oh, no, that was real. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's it's such a a strange thing to be able to connect like a strong feeling to a picture. Yeah. That's that's always been I don't I mean, and I've always even like with art in general mm-hmm. you know you go to art galleries and stuff and sometimes you feel nothing and sometimes you feel everything 
And it's right. all just because of that visual. Yeah. And I've just always thought that, that was the most powerful thing about being a photographer is being able to like click and capture that moment that now it won't be forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, cause that moment, especially at three, that, that would have easily been forgotten, you know, never thought of again. Right. But now it's like, has this everlasting life span. Right. Yeah. Because it was, yeah. Yeah. And, that's what I love. And it was printed. Like that's yes. the biggest thing is it was printed. Like yes. we, we try to do like at least an album every year of like mm-hmm. photos that I've taken of the family and all that stuff. So that way the kids can like look through that and just like haven't, you know, just remember and reflect on the year and you know, yes. we can too, right? Um, but like that is so important to print your work because it is. There's I need to be better about that. I we were really good about it when we had less kids. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it got harder and harder. But I I did start this new thing um where anytime someone makes a print order, I make a print order. I like that. So, I mean, it's not like the best solution, <laughs> but but it's it's moving in the right direction anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So now I, you know, I the the problem with that solution, I'll say, is then I get, you know, a bunch of prints and I don't actually have anywhere to put them. So they're sure. just like filed. Uh, but but, but yeah, printed. we what's that? At least they're printed. And then like yeah. you can get to them. They're there. Well, and <laughs> You can tell as soon as you walk into my house that one, I'm Asian and two, I'm a photographer because (laughs) we have so many pictures just all over the walls, like everywhere. In fact, um, speaking of Ashley Crawford, um, I I, um, was introduced to Annie Groves Uh through Ashley. Okay. Through the grapevine, find in a box through Ashley to Annie. Yeah. And Annie's family lives in Oregon, just like 20 minutes, 30 minutes from where I live. Oh, okay. So she actually, I hired her to take our family pictures one year. And we have an entire wall, like just huge gallery wall, all of Annie's pictures that she took. Nice. That's it's, awesome. it's my favorite wall in the whole house. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I love that wall. Andy's such a phenomenal photographer. Yeah. She, you know, and so, and that's what like I love too about film is, I I don't know. I mean, it definitely depends on the photographer too, because they have to feel that connection as well. They can't just be like a photographer that's like, oh, film is so pretty. So I'm just going to shoot it because, you know. Right. Like there has to be that emotion behind it to make it like that stellar photo, right? Yeah. So when I saw the photos that Annie took for us or of us, I I cried because she was able to see and capture like our family, like like our the essence of our family. Yeah. Like and it and it didn't have to be like this superposed or stylized like our favorite photos are the ones where we're just like all like huddled together like 
just like lazing around and stuff like those were so true to who we are Mm. and like it just it was so meaningful to me that she saw that in us and was able to like capture it and reflect it in a way that like meant something to us yeah yeah so yeah just the talent of the photographer like the emotion connected and just on film it's just win 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 yeah yeah i mean i think that's such a good point like the you know your technical ability obviously plays into it but ultimately it's just like if you have that ability to capture the essence of someone Mm -hmm. to understand the person which like you know i think annie is really good at and she is she just you know you if you can if you can get to the core of someone and then or or like you know the family and then just draw Mm -hmm. that out and um yeah that's like the best so good and is it i feel like it's it's hilarious because essentially what you're asking a photographer to do is show up not knowing you and within like five ten minutes be able to like know who you are know what your essence is know what you're all about and then somehow capture that into like a physical form (laughs) it's a big ass yeah that's work and so i think that photographers in general like not even like not specifically talking about myself but just any photographer in general that like is good at what they do yeah i feel like we don't get enough props for like (laughs) that component of it because anybody can take a camera and push a button you know, but it doesn't mean that it's going to make you feel something. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, having that talent on the other side of that lens is, is a big deal. And that is, it's a huge thing to ask of someone. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. But, but there are people who are talented enough to do it. And Annie, Annie's a freaking wizard, man. She, My kids were in love with her by the time we were done. We took her out for ice cream afterwards because my <laughs> kids like didn't want her to leave. And I she was that. so sweet. I actually, I, I have these like crappy cell phone pictures because I didn't bring my real camera, obviously, of like her and my daughter June holding hands, like skipping towards the ice cream store and just, Annie's so wonderful. It yeah. does. It takes a special person. and Yeah. 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 But I have to say, your photos are so poetic in the way that you see see the world through your lens too. I, um, especially that last session you did with your boys and your wife in that field. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> genius, genius way of like. It was like it brought me back to like my days of like reading like Huck Finn and stuff. Mm. You know, like it was. It was just so like pure, but like you captured that like innocence and like wildness of childhood, but it it's not like the photos were wild or like, you know, it just, it had that essence of the innocence of childhood and just the, the wonder and the, how the world is just so open to you. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just like, you know, that, that extreme dreamer side of me that read sure. into it that way. But I got all those feelings from that shoot and I was super jealous because I was like, damn, 
I wish I took pictures of my kids like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so much fun. I was, I was like, I was having a field day. Like my wife um, was very kind to be my like caddy. Like I was just like popping lenses <laughs> to her, like, give me this one. You know, I, yeah, I felt so on like that, that day was like kind of honestly like a pivot point for me of mm-hmm. where I, I just felt clarity about voice. Like, yes, like absolutely. I know what I'm doing here, um, yeah. which hadn't, I mean, it, it's happened occasionally, but like that, that was like the linchpin for me. Like, I know what I'm doing with photography. Um, right. So yeah, it's so cool to see like work that I'm like, that's what I want to do for like yeah. ever. Um, yeah. So you've set yeah, the bar really so high for yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just have to like fangirl on your wife for a second because mm-hmm. God damn, man, she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what she's like as a person, mm-hmm. but she has like a very, she has, she just has this look about her. That's very like, calm. like you would feel at home around her instantly. Is that what she's like? Um, I, I mean, that's how I feel. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we, I mean, we've known each other since, uh, we met when I was 13. Uh, and then we started dating when I was 14. Um, which is rebel yeah yeah pretty (laughs) wild um (laughs) but no i mean she has yes she does have a very calming personality and like people um yeah people like her i just i i love seeing her in your photos especially with your kids because like well maybe it's because i'm the photographer in the family and there aren't as many photos of me with the kids yeah that I just always really appreciate seeing her with the kids and yeah. and seeing her be represented in the family history and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, which is so. You guys are just such a cool family. Oh. I just adore your family. In fact, if I'm going to be really creepy, I I actually started following you first because um, somebody had told me about your um, your foster kids. Oh, uh-huh. and I I wanted to like learn more about that and about that experience and stuff. So I was totally creeping on you, and then I realized that you were the same guy from from Finding a Box. Oh wow! Yeah, like That's I didn't crazy. make the, I didn't make the correlation for like a long time, and then That's I awesome. you know then I thought you were from Oregon <laughs> because of Sasquatch yeah. because my mind is so small into thinking. Yeah. We only have Bigfoot here, <laughs> which obviously now I know is not true, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Wait, uh, my battery's about to die. And for some oh, reason, okay. the inner, the, the energy isn't turned on in the bus. So one second, I'm going to um, turn yeah. on the energy in the bus. Yeah, let's do it. I will be good. <laughs> for some reason, it's not turning on. It'll be fine. Everything's great. Uh, let me plug this in in a different one, maybe. Just uh, just the normal Mason coming out. Everything will be fine. We're good. Everything's fine. It's cool. We're good. 
Yeah. You know what? It reminds me of that meme where there's like that dog sitting at a table and everything's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is fine. This, this is, is fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I am definitely that dog. <laughs> well, and then didn't it him like describe you as a golden retriever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just yes. put those two together. That's like the essence of Mason. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me get an extension cord. Okay. okay. I'm so sorry. This You're okay. It's fine. I ran the electrical in this bus, and so it's not really foolproof. I'm not really an electrician. <laughs> so who knows? But okay. Children. This was the reason. <laughs> they unplugged. They unplugged my bus. <laughs> Children. <laughs> Of course. So, of course it was. Okay. We're good. I have all the battery now. <laughs> well, now you don't have to question your electrician skills. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very good. <laughs> kind of. I'm sure if any electrician came in, they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> um okay. Okay, so we're gonna act like none of that happened. Maybe I'll cut it out, maybe I won't. <laughs> I think I'll probably everything's fine we're all fine yeah everything's fine that's like my new motto <laughs> yeah I mean my also my other motto uh during this past week with all the riots has been just let it burn just burn it down just burn it yep whatever we'll just let it over. go yeah yep so there's the other side of me <laughs> <laughs> like Aha, there is a cynical side or just let it burn. Well, <laughs> because it, 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 in a way, that is kind of like optimistic. Like, yeah, just burn it out. You know, if a field isn't producing the crops that you want to, you burn it and start That's over. That's true. Yep. Uh, and maybe I can see that. the crops of this nation aren't producing and we need to burn it to the ground. But we'll <laughs> cut that out. Uh, of course, as a an optimist that's the that's the theory you pull from it yeah yeah, yeah. i love it but uh what what do you what do you want to know about foster care i got yeah I got answers yeah i okay i have always thought about adoption mm -hmm. and then as i got older and learned more about the need for foster care i became more and more you know kind of siding with that um but i mean i probably have like the same concerns and questions that like everyone has asked you um but my my two biggest worries are are my children going to be okay like emotionally physically like are they going to be okay with this huge change and like seeing you know differences on in like how like the effects of how people are raised differently um and am i gonna get my heart completely shattered into a million pieces when i can't adopt this child and they have to go back to a non-ideal environment yeah okay so first i'll address the kid thing because that's that's like a huge one for us too um, yeah and the answer is, who knows? You don't know. Um, because some kids, you know, we've had placements where 
like we had one placement and we just called him mouse um because he literally made no noise except like he would just like kind of walk around he was like a two-year-old and he would walk around and go Oh, that's so cute though. It was it was the cutest and it was like the most peaceful placement that we've ever had. Okay? Yeah. And then we also had a placement where um he would wake up and be pissed. Like he was mm-hmm. livid and then would scream at us for 4 hours straight without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and so and that and that's disruptive to, you know, are, right. like we're a pretty pretty peaceful bunch here um right and so you know i'm i'm sure there are it, it's hard because you want to help these other kids but then you also have your bio yeah. kids that you're like you know it it is very hard juxtaposition but what, in the end what we came to was that if anything, it is expanding our kids' view of like there is hurt in this world and we're here to help. Like it doesn't make the it doesn't make our life easier by mm-hmm. any means, but at least we're helping the brokenhearted. Um, yeah. And so, you know, hopefully and, and then and then like with some intentional like, you know, uh, with our bio kids, I'll take them on like dates just one-on-one you know right to, to just yeah. like really reinforce like we're in it together and all that stuff so it takes a lot of intentional uh, thinking through all that and then as far as bre- being brokenhearted whenever they have to go back to maybe a situation um that isn't ideal or kinship that you know you don't really trust um mm-hmm. which we've had both of those happen um and we have it's hard. It's really hard. Our first placement, um, we had a, um, so we had our bio two-year-old and then mm-hmm. a, then we got a placement of a one-year-old, a two-year-old and a seven-year-old. Oh, so wow. I was thrown into like being the parent of a, you know, elementary school kid. Like, yeah. I think I was like 24 or something. Like, I don't know, but it was, it was, it was a lot to take in. Um, and I still think about those kids. Hmm. Like, are you able, like, are you allowed to have any contact with them after? Or is that like, not, you could try. Um, but I don't know, my wife and I's approach is we were, we were there for a season and for the health of the kid, it's probably best for them to move on. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so we that just kind of we, we always try to think of like what is best for the child. Um mm-hmm. and and ultimately in every like all the training. So training wise, it took us over a year to get certified to do foster. Like there's oh, a really? lot of training that you have to go through. Um but so training wise, they always um want you to hope for uh, bio reunification so like the bio parents hopefully they get better and like go through the program and you know maybe stop doing meth which would be awesome and right. you know get 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 their feet on solid ground and then you know they can have their kids back um that's what we're always hoping for but mm-hmm. it's it's definitely hard whenever you read like all the neglect and abuse and like things that the kids had to face and you're just like 
it's really hard to like so you're aware so they they're like transparent about that and you're very very aware of like everything they went through mm-hmm. coming into it mm-hmm. yeah because i mean if yeah it, and it's really helpful for you uh to understand how to interact with a kid based right. on their history um so you know if they had like uh let's say a, a, a parent that just would neglect them and not feed them then w- well our typical mo is we never deny them food any like mm-hmm. which you know if they're hungry and <laughs> what we've come to with our current placement <laughs> they will eat nonstop. like they eat as much as me <laughs> no joke they eat as much as me um and so we what we had to start doing was like if you're still hungry you can have a carrot or a cucumber yeah because it's just like it's not sugary it's like it's pretty bland mm-hmm. like if you are legitimately hungry you will eat this and yeah they go we, we go through like a five ga- a five five pound bag of carrots probably a week wow uh and then like you know like five to ten uh cucumbers a week like it is well at least they're getting vegetables (laughs) i know that it's it's insane Um, wow because i i do that with my kids too but like you know the truth comes out and they're like okay never mind yeah Mm, i'm good (laughs) yeah 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 um so yeah i mean it's definitely hard um but with all the training it definitely does help like your heart um in in hoping for them to have a a better life because ultimately it's it's just best whenever it's you know bio family and bio kid um Mm -hmm. but if that can't happen then like our placement now we're hoping for uh adoption and um like that would be awesome Um, yeah so uh yeah it's so at at what point do you like allow yourself to think of that child as part of your family like permanently because I know you have to be careful about that right Mm -hmm. or do you just like let it you know do you just kind of let your heart open and then deal with the heartache afterwards when they go back um I I always try to like guard my heart a little bit um until I get uh, information from the CPS worker, um, mm-hmm. which we got, you know, some, some information, um, that like things aren't going so hot. And so there's like a hope there. Um, okay. and so we're that, that's what started our hope, um, basically. And mm-hmm. so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, it would be this, like, if it didn't pan out, this would be a really hard hard one yeah but would you um and maybe this is personal Mm -hmm. but would you consider renaming the child so that he feels or he or she feels more like part of your family or would you just keep it the same um a last name i would probably change um but no first name that's him that's yeah. them, you know, they, yeah, they, they embody that. So, yeah. 
I I have often wondered about that just because I've seen people do it. Mm -hmm. And as the kids grew up, it was always like one or the other, like they either felt like their identity was kind of stripped Mm. or they felt like they were being welcomed, you know, officially to the family. And Mm. I, I always wonder about that because when they're really, really young, it'd be hard to know what they feel about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so do you, do you tell, like, do you have specifications of like, these are the ages we can take? These are like the amount that we can take at a time or. Mm -hmm. So your the amount that you can take uh, is dependent on your square footage and like your room size. Oh, okay. Um, and, and then also, um, yeah, so we were limited to just boys, given okay. our house. It's a weird old house, so we were limited to just only taking boys. And we didn't want to take, like, any boys over six years old. Um, okay. Which is is kind of welcoming, <laughs> like most chaos in the world (laughs) because now what we have is a six-year-old a just turned four-year-old a almost three-year-old and our bio (laughs) two-year-old so it is a lot of like potty training (laughs) oh yeah so i hear you yeah so are you, are, do you have hopes of adopting both of the placements or only one has the opportunity? So they're siblings. We, we, we specifically oh. felt like uh, we, we wanted to have sibling groups. Um, because okay. that's, that's okay. often a neglected um, thing in foster care is like sibling groups. Oh, they're often either split or, you know, just never get really? adopted. Yeah. Um, and so we want to keep that family together as much as we can. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that they would, even if it's just two, they would split them up. Well, they would they would shoot for someone that can take both of them. But oftentimes, when it comes down to adoption, a lot of people just want to foster and not adopt. And then there's some people like us that oh. want to foster to adopt. Um, and so it, it can get it they can get mm. split occasionally. Especially oh, on like, we had one placement that we got two of the boys and then there were three other kids that we couldn't take. And oh. it's just like, like, I can't, I can't take, I can't take yeah. five kids. Um, so but, have you ever felt like guilt at all about that? Like, about not because I'm, to- I'm the kind, I'm the kind of person that like, if I, couldn't take them all I would like blame myself for that yeah well I mean a lot of that is um kind of out of your hands because of uh minimum standards given your house like you can only take x amount of kids and so they know that this house can only take two boys and Mm -hmm. that's all that we can take and so you're kind of you know yeah just stuck with that and there's not much you can do about it but this one worked out so if this adoption works out will you continue to foster to adopt definitely not oh really i I mean for uh, 
four at this age, it's a lot. I mean, maybe after <laughs> they get a little bit older, we would like dip back into it, but we would definitely right. break for a while. Yeah, I we actually have a really, really high percentage of kids that need foster homes here in Oregon. Hmm. Um, so, you know, now that my youngest is a little bit old, Older, we're kind of thinking about it, but it's so tricky because we already have four, yeah, which is quite a bit. And then my oldest is type one diabetic, so there's you know constantly like needles in the house and you know medical stuff everywhere. Yeah. So I'm not even quite sure. I mean, I I guess I would just have to like look into. It. I'm not even quite sure um, if we would be like acceptable foster parents. Cause he actually, we signed up for the classes and we actually missed the first class because he got diagnosed. Oh. So, so it wasn't something that like we were, you know, dealing with before, like we decided on all of that. Yeah. So now revisiting, there's like a couple, you know, a couple more factors than there originally were, Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I would still I love to do it. Yeah, I would suggest, like, if you are interested in it, there's two fantastic resources for foster parents to have, which is babysitting, getting certified to babysit for foster parents, because that's oh, okay. really hard to find someone to babysit, too. Um, mm. And basically, that just looks like taking CPR class, CPR, right, first yeah. and then you're pretty much good to go and getting a background check. Um, mm -hmm. And then... And then something else, which is a little bit more of a step. It's about like eight hours of classes, but um, it's called respite care. Um, so okay. like if my wife and I wanted to go on a trip, say in August, which we are to Colorado, like yeah. we need someone to watch our foster kids for a week because we're oh, going right. to go on you uh, you know, you a bus trip. Take them with you. Huh? Yeah. And and then, so those people need to be like heavily vetted because they're watching them for a longer period of time. So that's gotcha. like, so it's kind of like babysitting and then respite care and then foster care. So it's kind of like a little bit like if you're interested, you can kind of try it out for a week and then like know that there's an end in sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a so, good idea. And it's like, honestly, respite respite care for foster families is like finding a unicorn it's so hard <laughs> it's so hard to find someone to watch your kids so yeah i'll look into that that might be a good like icebreaker for yeah, us for sure yeah so are you allowed to to photograph them or is that not allowed at all because they're not oh i can i photograph them all the time oh you can okay all the time um, I have a personal project where I'm like documenting every, you know, every place in that we've had. Um, I just can't oh, post that's it nice. Like I can't put it online. Right, right. right. Necessarily. Okay. I mean, yeah. I could... Yeah. That was what I was more familiar with, but I wasn't sure if like you personally couldn't take photos yeah. of them either. Yeah. I had intentions of doing it so that they would go with the photo like i can send photos with the kids to whatever family oh okay with, you know um but it just gets real like you lose contact so fast and so oh uh, that would sadly but yeah yeah man 
Oh man, that's deep stuff. Yeah. It's good. It's fun. It is, I it is and I I really want to. I just I think I worry because like I said I'm like those intense sides and I have this t- tendency to kind of like over promise myself mm. and like stretch myself too thin. And so I know that like in this instance, I have to be very conscious of not letting that be the case sure. because these kids will need me, right. you know, you can't, you can't crap out on these kids. Yeah. So I think it's just been like a lot of like internal battle for me, like taking a really hard look at myself and asking myself, like, am I a good enough parent to the children that I have right now? Mm. And do I have more like the same amount to give, you know, like, and it's a really hard question because you have Mm. to, you have to really look at yourself and like face the ugly truth of some, you know, spots in your parenting and yeah, for sure. Um, but the desire is there, you know, like my, my, my mom has always told me, I mean, my, both my parents grew up so poor. Mm-hmm. you know um but they've always taught me that like there's always someone hurting more than you and it's your job to help in in whatever way you can mm-hmm. and you know my mom kind of takes it like to this extreme where she will i mean if it were just her she would be like destitute cuz she would just give everything you know but my dad kind of reins her back in but i have that tendency too you know like yeah. i so but yeah i just it's just such this complex of emotions but then i feel really selfish for like essentially like wasting time not being available to these kids mm. you know mm. like i i said i like i have that strong Asian background so I overthink everything and then we have that big guilt component too where we find a lot of self-doubt and inflict a lot of self-guilt unnecessarily most of the time like I don't know um but yeah I just (laughs) I've I've had experiences where I've seen I've seen children in non-ideal situations and it has broken me that I wasn't able to do anything. Yeah. And I know that, I mean, realistically, obviously you can't save every kid, but I think even just making a difference for like a month or two to one kid will mean something. I mean, at least to that kid, yeah. you know, but I, I don't know. I'm such an emotive person that I get very nervous about getting too close. Mm. So that's always been like my internal battle. You know, I yeah. sometimes caring too much is, is uh, what's not so much a weakness, but like a liability in some ways. Yeah. And, and, and oftentimes like that's exactly what the kids need you know, for that time, like a respite of just intense care and like love and like that, that time that you had with them. Like, this is what I have to tell myself at least is that time that I had with them, it, it, it set them 
uh, it it put them like 10 steps ahead of where they were right and so at least i helped at least i was there to like nurture them and care for them so that they can be at least a little bit further than they were Um, yeah even if like cps is pretty good about like vetting bio parents and like making sure that they're okay uh, before Mm -hmm. giving them back that doesn't mean that you know families can't like turn back in but right you know we always hope for the best um so yeah i don't know but i mean it is hard i I totally yeah yeah so do you ever feel and this is kind of like a pivoting question Mm -hmm. but do you ever feel like you're cheaping out on them if you take a digital photo of them over a film photo i haven't turned on my digital camera in since november oh really okay yeah so you don't have that i've taken a total of maybe a hundred photos with my digital camera really yeah that you know it's funny because i actually like (laughs) i have like so much pride towards them it's like amazing to me (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, man. Like I'm like cheering you on in the background, but I, I mean, I do feel like digital has its place, but just, but nothing's like film. And so it's, and I've, I've been forcing myself this year to, especially with, you know, with everything going on and my business kind of taking a nosedive. Like I've been trying to force myself to take more digital and be more half and half. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, I just did a family session two days ago and I was like, okay. I, and I priced them just insanely low Mm -hmm. because at the time I was like, you know, it's more important for families right now to have photos than it is for me to benefit from it. And that's not always the case. <laughs> like sure. most of the time I stick to my price, but this was, you know, we're just living in this freak show of a yep. world right now. <laughs> so it was already incredibly low priced. So I was like, okay, I will take one roll of film. I will only shoot one roll of film and then I'll just match all the digitals to that one roll of film. Ooh. But damn it, Mason, I, the light was so glorious. And I just, I, I knew, I knew that digital was not going to do it justice. And I ended up shooting five rolls, like almost the entire shoot. Good. And I didn't pull out my digital until maybe like the last like 10, 15 minutes. And I walked away thinking like, well, crap, like, I'm not seeing, (laughs) yeah, there goes all the money that they paid. And it's like, you know, I am, I am a more like optimistic person in in like service related things so like on that side I was like well you know I'm putting good into the world and the world really needs it right now so it's okay but the other like business side of me was like what are you doing like (laughs) yeah your business will never survive if you keep doing this (laughs) but you're you're doing what is best like you're doing what you know is best for that situation. And I think, yeah, it I just think, would think, not have been the same. Yeah. The the magic would have been leveled down and it would have been so sad. 
because it was just, I mean, we put, we picked the perfect location, the perfect time of day. Like, I mean, it couldn't have been better. And you know how, I mean, maybe you don't because you only take a hundred photos on your digital, but (laughs) on digital, it just doesn't handle the, like, it doesn't handle those highlights in the Mm -hmm. same way. Mm -hmm. And it just would ruin the whole feel of of what was going on. Yeah. I haven't, I've taken a hundred photos on my digital camera. I second shoot for people and I have to okay, take photos okay. on a so digital you do. camera. <laughs> but. <laughs> I love the eye roll added in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I have no problem. Like if someone wants to hire me to second shoot for them. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not very, I am not happy when I'm shooting digital. But. Yeah. You know, to each their own. Like, like, I, like you said, they each have their place. I completely acknowledge that. But digital has no place in what I do. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I, you know, if things were different, everything I shot would be on film. Everything. Because I went to Apollo recently. Uh-huh. And, oh, my gosh. Patrick, so it was, I went into, I went to the one in November. So it was just before Christmas. Okay. And I took, so I had one role that was amazing and one role that was like complete shit. But the first role I did um, was new or Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And I did it with flash in the corner. And I was like really nervous because I didn't take any digital and you can't recreate that. Yeah. But oh my gosh, they were just so beautiful and so much more realistic to how it looked and felt. Yeah. So super happy about it. And then I totally effed up. And on Christmas Day, my flash was on, but I forgot to turn on my stupid like trigger oh, on my actual camera. The worst. <laughs> No. Oh, I, they're just like, what's that term that John always uses when it just like comes out ass soup. It was complete ass soup. (laughs) Like you could barely figure out what was even photographed. Oh man. And I was like, well, crap. (laughs) But at least the first one was good. Literally every time that I use flash, I'm like, is it working? Because like I can't tell. I'm taking a photo and I'm like, ah. So a lot of times I'll like ask ask my clients, like, did the flash happen? Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I've even had issues with my um with my Pentax, because it's I mean, most film cameras are kind of old. And the trigger itself, like when I would push the test button, it would flash. But when I actually hit the shutter, it wouldn't. wouldn't. Yep. So I had to kind of like jiggle it and mess with it and whatever. But there's like half a roll for a shoot that I did where like, nah, just nothing. You yeah, know? I think there's like this like, there's like this plastic ridge in there that like holds it up. And you have to like it blocks. It in yeah. 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 Cool. And I know the... The transmitter that I have, or the trigger that I have, like um, Patrick showed me, bless his heart, I bothered him for over an hour about this, but he taught me how to um, use just one pin trigger instead of the four. Oh, okay. That helped a lot. 
because then they didn't all four have to like match up and it was just the one like central pin but oh my gosh patrick is so patient i bugged him with so many questions so many questions (laughs) (laughs) and then actually like sorry to pivot again but john i actually worked for john's lab um Mm -hmm. But so he is going to be taking our family photos in a couple of weeks because we're awesome. going to Utah. And my email to him, like kind of like inquiring, so geeky. Like the probably like the first half of it is me like being that like geeky girl, like, hi, you don't know me. I used to work for you, but I'm a huge fan. And you know, like just totally but I couldn't help myself. I was like, he like, I don't know. So he was like, <laughs> really, he was like really chill and cool about it. And like all that. And so I'm really, really excited. But like, I, <laughs> I just felt like such a, a fan girl writing that email to him. And I was the same way to Patrick. Like when we first met. Yeah. Um, cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, he's the film, you know, flash God. And just like, yeah. And it's Which so funny to like actually meet them and like humanize them because it's just like, oh man, like you're actually really relatable. <laughs> like, yeah, just a dude. Neat. <laughs> maybe it's just in our in the film community. I don't know. Like I don't know if like celebrities are like that or if it's just our celebrities that are like in real life they're just actually really cool and down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think film I mean, there's definitely people that shoot film that are arrogant, you know, bastards, but. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's, I, th- I think the film community is just like, in general, like such a warm and loving and kind community. Yeah. It's just like, and and, and, and like Patrick and, and John and like Daniel Kemp, like they all like. I met Daniel. That. Oh, my gosh. That guy is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I. Great. I honestly, he probably didn't notice this, but he was having a conversation with Rachel, who was also there. And I legitimately like kind of weaseled my way in just behind them Mm -hmm. to listen to their conversation and laugh because he's just so funny. But they were talking about something that I had like zero experience or knowledge with. It wasn't camera related, but I'm not going to rat him out. So I won't say what it is, but... They're talking about something that I had like no nothing to add to that conversation, but like yeah. I so wanted to hear what he had to say because he's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Everything he says like makes you laugh, yeah. even like, and he just has this way of like, like changing the tone to like really serious and getting you to like think about things yeah. to like going back to like joking about farts or whatever. Like he's just mm-hmm. so seamless in his transitions. Like, I don't know. Like it's, yeah. it's amazing to me. And it was just one of those personalities that you're just drawn to, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like my whole, this whole interview is me just admitting how creepy I am to everybody. <laughs> Oh man, I'm. I yeah. just like hope that there's like a small part of everybody that's just like, oh, okay, I don't have to be closeted creepy anymore. No, I mean we've all been there. Um, you know, I was. I found out through about John through Wendy Laurel, and then I I, I like 
I like creeped on John hard. Uh, yes. Tell me more. So I feel more normal. Oh, I just, you know, I would, oh, it was, it was a time whenever we just had one kid. So I had tons of time. Um, <laughs> and so in the evening I would just, I would just like either just Google his name and then like look at the <laughs> photos or I would Google or like YouTube his name and then like watch like, cause he has like some like, you know, interviews stuff out there. And I was yeah. just like, curious about this person that like uh, someone that I really respected Wendy Laurel like respect and I was like oh oh well, yeah okay and so yeah and it, it was um it was it was I, I probably like did that every you know at least once a week uh for probably <laughs> like three months um I mean you know do you have like a weird habit other than like stalking people <laughs> I do. (laughs) So I also everything cool about me I steal from my husband. Okay. Um, but he does this thing (laughs) where he makes up puns. Mm -hmm. So the longest standing pun war has been on the word placenta. Okay. Because they, he and his brother-in-law decided that placenta was the hardest word to create a pun to. And so now anytime we're visiting and we're around them, they always have like this pun war with placenta. Okay. So, and sometimes he'll like, you know, if, if no one's around, he'll just say them to me. So he'll tell me things like, uh, I'll ask him a question like, hey, did you did you check like the Rotten Tomatoes review on this movie before we watch it? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, it was in the 34th placentile oh. or something stupid like that. Boy. Like, but he has a lot like he has this talent. And so he got me into it. Yeah. I'm not on the level of the placenta puns. Sure. But I can mm-hmm. do. um so we do like celebrity celebrity names in restaurant, like if celebrities owned restaurants. Yeah. So there's uh, the Olive Gordon. Oh, sure. And it's like that scene in The Office uh-huh. where Pam and Jim are going to Dwight's farm uh-huh. to, for the, the bed and breakfast. And she's yeah. making up like the Beats Motel and... Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we do. Oh, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with puns. Um, so, uh, my oldest son was born on May 10th, which is, um, Oh, Henry pun off day in Austin, Texas. Um, I did not know that. Um, where people fly from all over the country to, uh, have pun offs. Uh, Ah, what? This is a real thing. Yeah. It's legit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, you have to be very quick-witted and mm-hmm. I I admit I I used to be quick-witted. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. I used to be so witty and cute and just like the best ever. And then I had kids and slowly like my brain cells just kind of like diminished from lack of sleep. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like at this lower level where like like five minutes later, I'll come up with a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's but, it's really impressive. The, the those pun offs are like, 
wow like yeah it's it's insane i'm gonna youtube that later yeah oh you totally should um they're they're all they're all recorded um something that i do which is whenever there's a uh solo in uh, a song uh i will replace it with meow sounds and so um (laughs) yes see it's so similar to that yeah it's just you know I could, because I know a lot of solos by heart, and so like when they come on, it's like <laughs> you know, something like oh, that's Peter Frampton. Um, so oh, I, oh, I heard it! I yeah. heard it! <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I I'm such a music geek in general too, because I my dad is 15 years older than my mom, mm-hmm. so we got like two different generations of music growing nice. up plus our generation and so i mean yeah i i love peter frampton we have all that we have in fact we're still really old school in that we have a record player with records mm-hmm. yeah. and i'm pretty sure we have a couple of, of frampton down there yeah yeah that's awesome they're, they're pretty they're pretty old and a little bit crackly but it's pretty fun yeah. I, I still really enjoy the vinyls. Yeah. It's a quality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's similar kind of quality as like film. There's just a, the character to it that you just. Yeah. 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 Well, and again, I, I really feel like, so being totally transparent, like I didn't have like a super um, like traumatic childhood, but there were definitely parts of my childhood that, that were less than ideal that, I tend to compartmentalize. And so a lot of like, you know, going back to like how film looks like a memory and I I really like hold on to that so strongly. Records for me have that same kind of feeling because when I was younger, like I just held on to any good feeling, Mm. like held on for dear life. And one of the really like vivid memories I have growing up revolves around records too, because we used to have the um the chipmunks christmas album uh-huh. on vinyl and i remember listening to that over and over and like hearing the crackling sounds and like like staring at the christmas tree for hours and like that was my happy place and yeah. so for me like yeah it you know i never saw that correlation before but it does like anything that meant a lot to me emotion wise as a kid like has very strongly come through Mm. in these little nuances in my adult life yeah that's interesting i never like put that together until you just said that yeah look at you you're like a certified shrink now you know i do what i do (laughs) (laughs) so if, if you could like that makes me curious now like if you know schooling aside like all the pressures of like you know, bringing money in or whatever, like all of that aside, what would you ideally be doing career-wise? This? Podcast stuff? Interviewing? Uh, oh, oh, like everything that I'm doing. So like I, I do, I do videography for like workshops. Um, um, oh yeah, I saw different, that. Different kinds of workshops. Um, and then my own photography and then this. Um, and like, I am well, and then I run Facebook ads for people, but that's the boring stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you would cut that out. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't need to know about that. Unless they want to hire me. <laughs> you can hire me. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like this is I'm happy. Like yeah. I got I got laid off because of COVID. And like this is yeah, this is all that I want to do. It's um well, okay, I will say this. If okay, so maybe I love what I'm doing right now, but if if I could just rock climb all day, every day, that would be awesome for me. Yeah. I mean, both. Is uh, that both a thing? Are there like professional rock climbers that like get mm-hmm. paid? Yeah. It is? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, they don't get paid super well, but like a, like, I think um, like a decently, you know, popular dentist. <laughs> Oh gosh. I was really expecting you to say something else. So the dentist like threw me off and it was kind of okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, good. Oh, I love it. See, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I was very arrogant about it, but then it kept changing. And then I would be arrogant about the next one, you know, like it just, it never stuck. Like, and I don't know if it's, it's because I just kept like learning and growing and progressing into like a different person or uh, I don't know, or maybe I am just like really indecisive, but yeah, I went from, in fact, I did this personal project like six or seven years ago where I took self portraits of myself as careers that I, that were once on my list of like hmm. careers I wanted to do. Interesting. And I had so many, like I, wanted to be, um, a lawyer for a long time. For a long time, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be specifically an Egyptologist. Um, what else? There was a small blip where I wanted to be an accountant. And then I realized I hate math and like so many. And like, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I was in modeling for a while. I did, um, interior design. I did fashion design. I did, um, journalism. I used to, in fact, I actually wrote freelance, um, for a couple of years and like my, some of my stuff is like published, but it's just these like tiny little blips in books that no one would ever read. Sure. But like, I was so serious about like every single one of these and then just, you know, just never quite like stuck with it. Yeah. And that's probably another like projection I put on my kids of like, no, you got to stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My poor children. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> and hopefully they love me back. <laughs> if not now, I'm sure they will. If eventually, <laughs> you know, it's, it's bound no, to happen. My kids, my kids are very like they they get me you know because i like i said like i have that side where i'm just like iron fist and i come down but i also have this like totally childish goofy side in fact my husband he like has to scold me like every almost every single night because we'll like get the kids together we'll say prayer and then it's like time for like you know lullabies and then it's bed right but I always get really hyper at night 
And mm. so I'm the one that starts instigating like wrestling and tickling and just like running around the house. And my husband's always the one that's like, Mylin, who's the child here? And who's the parent? Like you need to, <laughs> this is not what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, I mean, so my kids, I'm sure like, I'm sure someday they'll look back and be like, wow, my mom was, had a lot of like really strict rules, but she was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's always going to be a caveat, I think, when my kids talk about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a hard, hard thing to think about because you know, you can only do the best that you can. And then it's just like, yeah, I don't know what their perspective on, on this is, but whatever. <laughs> what do you think your kids would say? Like if I asked your six-year-old, like what would you, what would he say to me about you? Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I think he would say that I'm fun. Um, but I'm also pretty, pretty strict about like Are you? certain things. Yeah. Occasionally, like whenever it comes to like rules in the house, like where we run a pretty tight ship because we we have to like that we need that structure for foster kids and like right chaos would ensue if, yeah 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 and so like a lot of times I, I end up being the enforcer which is really not like my strong suit but yeah. I have the deepest voice in the house so <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah that's that's always my threat like when the kids are really like going off the deep end I always threaten do you want me to call your dad mm -hmm. do you want me to call your dad at work right now <laughs> test me say it one more time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. although I have to say my kids are actually like very well behaved I have one wild child but he was my island boy he was born on the island so he just like latched onto that very like carefree mentality of like good you know, like he's my kid with like really long curly hair and he is just honestly like the epitome of Island Boy. He's so, he's just crazy. He's such him. a wildling, That's but awesome. he's fun. Yeah, there's actually, there's a Tagalog saying um, and like roughly translated, it's like, my it's it's actually it's like con it's kind of more a curse than like a saying but oh, okay. it's not it's not quite as like deep as a curse i'm not gonna like throw satanic stuff in here but like, <laughs> but like there's like this <laughs> they they have this thing where they like parents will say it to their children like you know uh, how, it's really hard to translate so like you know, you keep acting that way and your kids, when you grow up, are going to be just like you, essentially. Oh, and then, like, you'll you'll know how it feels. And when my, my younger son was born, my mom came to visit me in the islands and she was like, this is the one. This is the one that you're going to reap what you sow and you are going to know, like, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> she could just tell and for the longest time I was like no because he faked us out hardcore like yeah he was the most chill baby until he turned about he was almost two and then we were like oh. who the crap are you like yeah. <laughs> what mm -hmm. I don't know but anyway but I think I think it's a great place to end you reap what yeah. you sow whatever you are to your parents you're gonna get eventually <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yep. Not so be me. very intentional <laughs> with how you live. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to talk to you. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> awesome. Well, hug your kids good night. Okay. Give them a thumbs up for me. Yeah. Likewise. Don't there tell your don't tell your wife that I'm like creeping on her in the background. Oh, it's okay. People do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow Mylan on Instagram at Mylanwoodphoto, me at Sasquatch Mansfield, this pod at the Film Photography Podcast. The most helpful thing you can do for this podcast is to share with a friend. So if that strikes your fancy, please do it. Or don't. I love you. Our wisdom comes from Fan Ho this week, who said, I've always believed that any work of art should stem from genuine feelings and understanding. I didn't work with any sense of purpose as an artist. I was only looking to express myself. I did it to share my feelings with the audience. Till next week, guys. Do good work. Be well. Stay disciplined. Cheers. <laughs>